We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup against the Atlanta Hawks, the final game they will play before the All-Star break, also the final game they will play against the Atlanta Hawks this season, barring any uh, play-in matchups that could potentially happen, given how the season plays out. We're going to talk to Alex of Hawks Fan TV. He is prominent in the Twitter spaces world. So shout out to Sean with a W for setting this up and making the connection. I got to say, I went in a bit hesitant, not that I like didn't want to talk to Alex. I just remembered a, uh, a back and forth that happened on twitter.com. For those who don't know, cause you don't have twitter.com. First of all, God bless you. You're, you're better off. Stay far away from this hellhole. Um, John made a comment earlier in the year when the Knicks played the Hawks and blew him out. But, It also coincided with an injury that RJ uh, inflicted. That's that's way too strong a word. But Dejounte Murray got hurt. It was RJ's fault because he tripped over. uh, Dejounte tripped over his leg, I think it was, or tripped over his ankle, and didn't come out in that game. Didn't come back for a couple games. And John in the post game was when analyzing it was like, "Yeah, good job, RJ." Almost as if like you've been struggling so much lately. This is the one good thing you've done. And being the the always thinking about the larger image of the brand producer that I am, uh, I jumped on the the stream and was like, let's let's clarify that that wasn't actually a good job, RJ Barrett. And uh, Alex took some issue with that. We addressed it at the beginning of the conversation you're about to hear. And I was worried that this would get contentious. And I got to say, Alex, nice dude. Uh, very informed Hawks fan. Uh, he has some opinions on RJ Barrett that I think you're going to enjoy listening to, even if you don't agree with them. Uh, I think he's, you know, it's funny this, this experience going through the last two months of, I guess six weeks of pregame pods. Got to know a lot of people in fan bases that I didn't ever really know a person. And I just knew them from a Twitter avatar. And that I think is like the goal of this, that we're actually giving you a perspective from someone who's as passionate about the team that we cover um, as they are. I guess they're as passionate about the team they cover as we are. I'm leaving all of this in. Um, but shout out to Alex again for coming on the show. And without further ado, let's get to this conversation with Alex of Hawks Fan TV. Enjoy. Joining me now for the Knicks Film School pregame show with Knicks wrapping up their pre-All-Star break uh, schedule, uh, going down to Atlanta for the second time this year and to play the Hawks for the final time this year, barring any potential play-in matchups. He is the creator of Hawks Fan TV. Uh, He is Alex. Alex, thank you for joining me. Andrew, pleasure to, to be on. Appreciate you having me. Now, Sean has has given you his uh, his vote of confidence. So we welcome you into the next film school world with that. Obviously, say so. And, and Sean's a man I trust. Do we personally need to give DeJounte Murray an apology for what happened with John and RJ and that joke that he made earlier this year? Yeah, no, I, I think... Um I, I get what what he was trying to do, and and I know I appreciate you standing up for the um, for for Dejounte during that time. So uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think an apology is needed. Um, 
you know, I personally am not the biggest fan of making even the slightest joke whenever a player gets injured and misses time. Mm-hmm. So um, it is what it is. It is what it is. All right. I've noted and I will say that that's why I came on the air and did what I, I could in the in the moment. But um, as this rivalry has really started to take off over the past couple of years, I'm curious because um, I don't know, like the Atlanta dynamics, especially the Hawks. When it comes to who the rivals you look to are, I know what your division looks like, but I don't see a lot of playoff matchups between between the teams. Where do the Knicks rank in all of that? I know the last couple of years, it's like the media I guess, kind of has, has made it a Knicks Hawks thing. But uh, how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I think I think anytime we, we play the Knicks, it's a fun time. Um Obviously, it started back in, in the postseason a couple of years back, and we gentlemen swept y'all. I don't think I needed to remind you of that, but but we mm-hmm. did. And, but you did. Um, we we did. But you know, hey, it, that was the past, and now is the now, and the Knicks are better than the Hawks as it currently stands. So can't really uh, say too much. But um, in terms of rivalry, I mean, I I I think it's fun. I don't know where we would rank the Knicks personally, um, and to be quite honest. I mean, we don't really have a whole lot of quote unquote rivals. Um, I mean, I think maybe the Celtics come to mind, you know, dating back to the 08 uh, first and 18 mm. matchup where we took them to seven. And then ever since then, we, we matched up with them a couple of times in the postseason since then. Uh, so I'd say the Celtics is up there for me. Um, Knicks, I'd say maybe like top five. Um just because I think the fan bases make it a lot bigger than than it is. So uh, with that in mind, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say top five anywhere, maybe like three to four. Okay, it's interesting. I I don't know if it's so I'm a Mets fan too, and the Braves remain probably not my most hated rival because the Yankees are just always going to have that special place because of how many Yankee fans in my life exist. Um, but like for the majority of my life, I've been losing and at least divisions to the Atlanta Braves. So yeah. it's almost like it's not even necessarily a rivalry. It's just the, that's very much Patriots jets in that sense. Um, I will say they've become a team I get up for on the calendar and that starts absolutely from 2021 in that series. Uh, the regular season has been a different story than that postseason. Now the Knicks have actually played the Hawks very well. And I'm curious what Hawks team they're about to play now only watching a little bit of last night's game because I was obviously working on the Knicks Nets game, but the, the the Hornets getting 144 points was not something I was expecting to see. Um, what are the vibes like in Atlanta and how like, was this just like a one-off like oh, another, the other team got hot and there's nothing they could do. Or is this kind of a microcosm of the problems in Atlanta at the moment? Yeah, as much as I would like to admit it was a one-off situation, Andrew, I, I unfortunately have to say that this has been happening all season, man. Mm. And um, the, it just shows again, like, you know, I, and I get it. It's the NBA. It's a tough league. You know, teams are going to drop uh, some games to lesser opponents every now and then. But the the rate of which the Hawks do it is just way too much. I mean, I mean, you look at a record, we're at 500 right now with like 27, 28 games left to go in the season. And uh, it's been happening since, you know, the first five games all the way up to now. So it's unfortunate the inconsistency that this team shows night in and night out. One day we can beat a really good team in, in the Bucks or the Celtics, and then we can lose to a 16 win team Hornets team. So it's unfortunate. And it's it's I would have to admit that it's probably a microcosm of a bigger issue. And that is, of course, Nate McMillan, our coaching staff. We, we just don't have any sort of consistent game plan, zero identity, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball and um, which our record shows. And, you know, that's the reason why we can win some games against uh, better teams is because off purely off the backs of the talent that this team possesses. And, you know, other times we can lose to inferior opponents because we're just playing free flowing basketball. There's no scheme, no, no game plan. And it's just, it's like, Lifetime fitness, you're just going there to play pickup basketball. And if you win, you win. If you lose, then you lose. Dang. So does the fan base feel the same as I was going through your tweets after the Hawks game last night against the Hornets? And you feel a certain type of way about this head coach and I guess his coaching staff. Is that the the general tone of the fan base that this cannot be the the fan base that cannot be the coaching staff next season? Yeah, I think Hawks fans, the majority of Hawks fans probably 
dislike Nate more than Knicks fans dislike Tibbs. So if that tells you anything, then no chance. This is no <laughs> chance. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. There's Bro, a- the Knicks are winning and they don't like him. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But I mean, hell, you guys are, you know, 32 and 27 this mm-hmm. far in the season. I mean, it's pretty hard to complain. And, and especially like RJ isn't playing really as as well as a lot of people would have hoped. And but you guys are still winning games. Like and yet. We'll get a fire Tibbs in every post game, I'm no sure. matter what happens. I'm but sure. to your I'm point, sure. yeah, I'm sure the I'm sure the expectations going into this season after the Dejounte trade make this season with a little more urgency, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, hell, I had us as a top five seed uh, mm. during the offseason predictions, and you know, I'd be lucky if we even made you know an eighth seed at this point. <laughs> at this point, yeah. Does that the so? Do you expect a change to happen anytime soon, or is this an offseason type of deal? Yeah, no, I, I don't see any changes happening uh, at this point this season. I think it's it's a little too late for that. Really, um, if it would have happened, it should have happened like, I don't know, five weeks ago. But it's unfortunate. And uh, I, I'm 99% confident that the ownership in front office is going to move on with Nate. It's been pretty well documented. And kind of this, the story around Atlanta is Nate's either going to retire or he's going to get fired. So we'll see. But either way, I'm happy because Nate's going to be gone after the season. Regardless. So something I want to ask you about the retirement thing, there was a the report that I saw that I think you're referring to is that he was like considering retiring during the season. Is that is that factual that the the turmoil that was going on around the Hawks was leading to him potentially walking away during all of this? I think that was just a little clickbaity. I, I don't think okay. that was any had any sort of validity or legitimacy behind this season, but I think it's um I think it's pretty accurate in the sense that he's going to be done after this season, whether it's a retirement or it's a mutual you know, agreement, but he's not going to be back next year. Well, while I have you then, let me get some other narratives that from the outside seem to be how people talk about the Hawks that may or may not please, please, I'm, be I'm real. Here. So the, the Trey the Trey Young, John Collins thing, is there beef there? Is there, do they not like each other? Or is this just something that like they had a disagreement in a practice once and the media turned it into a thing? Yeah, I don't think no, no, no. Well, full stop. There, there isn't a quote unquote beef between John Collins and Trey Young, right? I mean, they've been playing with each other for you know, four plus years now, and, and you see their body language and their demeanor on the court. I mean, hell, they have their own little secret pregame handshake that they do every single game. So there is a relationship, but I will say, I you know, I can put it in a way that they're not the best of friends outside the court, right? Mm. And John Collins, even um, I want to say, some point middle of last year. He went on a local radio station here in Atlanta, 92.9 The Game, and he basically said, you know, they're they're a brother in the sense of on the court. But he, John Collins himself, even said that they were not the best of friends outside the court verbatim. So I think there's some issues there. I don't you know, I don't think they're going to be partying with each other um, after a game. But on the court, I think it's cordial. They have a good relationship and it is what it is. It's it's crazy how that gets turned into they don't like each other. You know, they're not great friends off the court. Like I have so many people I've worked with in the past that I'm not great friends with. It doesn't mean I don't like them, you know? Right. Exactly. I mean, you know how the media goes, Andrew. I mean, anything for, for clicks and views. It's the and name of the game. Become even worse because that's the only currency at, at this point. Yeah, but it's true. So I get it. I get why they do it, but it's unfortunate when it when it brings unnecessary drama to, to your team. Well, speaking of the drama of your team, the head coach and the best player, Trey Young, uh, a lot of reports that the the rift between those two um, went to certain levels. What is real about like how Trey feels about the coach, how much it's led to the 29 and 29 record and the disappointing season that the Hawks have had so far? Yeah, I think it's no secret that Nate and Trey aren't really that buddy-buddy. Um, and if you been keeping up, which I don't think you were, but, you know, Nate McMillan flew to Oklahoma City uh, to Trey's hometown this past offseason. He spent two nights there uh, hanging out with them, coaching them up, this and that. Um, the media was trying to paint it as if they were doing it because they were close. But in reality, from what I've heard, it was because they were trying to amend some relationships that uh, they were trying to uh, straighten out before this new season. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that they aren't and I don't think Trey necessarily likes Nate McMillan. And um, 
you know, my personal opinion is once ever, whenever he does get moved on and he gets fired or whatever the case may be, I think Trey's going to be pretty happy. And it's not just Trey, Andrew. I, I've heard stories that other players also aren't the biggest fans of Nate McMillan. Um, so I think Trey's obviously gets the headline being the superstar franchise player that he is. But, you know, players like John Collins and a few other guys, some vets uh, have voiced their opinions about Nate McMillan. Yeah, so it sounds like based on what you're hearing and what you're, I guess, not necessarily reporting here at Knicks Film School, but what you're saying is that, man, so the Nate McMillan that outcoached Tom Thibodeau two years ago will not make it further than Tom Thibodeau in as the head coach of the Hawks. Is that that's the, we can conclude that is what you're saying. I think I think that's an accurate statement. And I want to be clear on record, like Nate McMillan did not outcoach Tom Thibodeau or outcoach Doc Rivers in the second round. This and that. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, I honestly believe in, you know, at that time when we made the coaching change, Lloyd Pierce was our former head coach. We made that midseason change. And then the Hawks went, I think the I think they went like 24 and six in their last half of the, uh, the season. Which would brought them picked, up to a five seed. I don't know if Sean told you this. I picked the Hawks to win that series. I was a villain in our little circle here <laughs> in the Knicks world because I, I became like a thing Hawks in six because like I I'm watching them every night rooting against them and they keep pulling these games out. I they capitalize on every single Knicks weakness. So you know I got that one right. I guess I didn't get right that the Hawks would be you know around the four four or five seed going forward though. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I think anyone who would have taken over the interim head coaching job after Lloyd Pierce got fired, I think because of the relief that all the players felt, because it's pretty well documented that almost the entire team hated Lloyd Pierce, our previous coach. So once he got fired, I think it kind of lit a fire under them. And, you know, hell, you and I could have been the head coach during that 2021 run. And I think we would have made it just as far. I'm not even kidding. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> well, I I mean, look, I it's it's tough to really analyze the the Hawks, at least from my perspective, because I'm mostly box score scouting. I see their their lineup data with the the Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Capella lineup is plus 13 and a half uh, per per hundred or per possessions and, and over a thousand possessions so far. So I see that lineup that you guys play the most and it's that effective. Then I, I, every time the Knicks have played the Hawks, it seems like there's a moment where it's like, okay, Trey's cooking right now. Oh, DeJounte Murray's cooking right now. When they played in Atlanta right after the Knicks had lost Mitch, yeah, they made it through three quarters, but DeJounte kind of got to the paint and did whatever he wanted. Now, the Knicks were still adjusting because Mitchell Robinson had just gotten hurt. But um, as we, we get to this matchup against the Knicks, how are you feeling going into this game with the Knicks coming into town? Is it like Trey gets up for these games and so you like your chances or like you said the Knicks are 32 and 27 they're playing a lot better especially after the Josh Hart trade and you're not as confident as you have been in Knicks games in the past yeah uh and that's that's kind of the the dilemma with the Hawks right now is when we play to our potential we can Mm. beat a lot of good teams um but that's the problem is they decide when they want to get up for games and when they don't Charlotte Hornets game last night was a great example. I think they underestimated them and saw that they were uh, kind of bottom of the barrel and just barely played defense. And we, it resulted in a loss. But I've, I've also seen this team play really well uh, a lot of nights. Um, so I think come Wednesday, I think we'll be back at home in front of our home crowd in State Farm. Uh, hopefully the loss last night gives them a pretty bad taste and they they redeem themselves and come up with the win. Um Hopefully John Collins is back for that game because he, he missed yesterday's game due to a right hip, right hip soreness, I believe. So I think uh, I think the Hawks do win tomorrow night. It's, uh, and, you know, if I'm Nate McMillan, I'm preaching like, look, these guys are right above us in the standings. Uh, a potential tiebreaker could come down down to the wire. So, I mean, this essentially as crazy as this sounds, this could be a should be a winner, you know, um, you know, winner go home game like it's it's a do or die kind of for us and this is a must win game for us so it is a must win so i mean i would consider it a must win so is it well i mean you add in that the hawks win the tiebreaker if they win this game so that could come into play Good. down the stretch um i guess my my question towards that is what happens if they don't win this must win game what are the vibes going to be heading into the all-star break the vibes are going to be 
down. Down? Uh, <laughs> poor? Yes, Andrew. I mean, uh-huh. the vibes have kind of been down all season long, and I think the record shows it. Um, I think even the players themselves had a lot of high hopes for the season, and it's unfortunate that we're, we're at 500 this late into the season. But, yeah, I, th- I think we win tomorrow. Um, I, I haven't checked out the line for tomorrow's game. I'm assuming it might be like Hawks minus one or something like that. But um, I, th- I think Trey, I mean, Trey especially, since the kind of all-star snub selection, he's been playing lights out both sides of the floor. And, and I think he's been averaging like close to 13, 14 assists per game for the last five or six games we've played. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think we win and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens from there. No line listed for this game yet, by the way, at least not currently as I'm looking at right. FanDuel, but um, I'm sure that'll show up. You mentioned the, first of all, I, I think it's funny that, not necessarily funny, but the, I, the Knicks have so much house money coming into this game. When they lost Mitchell Robinson and they lost the ske- looked at the schedule and all these really good teams on it, we said, give me five and nine in these last 14 games and like go into the All-Star break at 30 and 30 and we'll be fine. They've already won seven games in that stretch. So... I, at this point, I'll, I'll, if they lost, they went seven and seven in this stretch and you got to 32 and 28. You're almost, uh, taking the gift that this, this little stretch has been. Um, as far as Trey Young is concerned, a couple questions. First, you mentioned the all star snub. We've been pounding the drum that Jalen Brunson should have been in the all star game, should have been selected on the first try, should have been one of the injury replacements and this Jalen Brown injury. We're, we're hoping that he's the one that gets in. How passionate is the Hawks fan base in the same way for Trey in the same situation, whether he should have made it the first time, should have been one of the replacements, and should be Jalen Brown's replacement? Yeah, uh, I, I, I would say probably a lot of Hawks fans would would advocate Trey to make the All-Star, league, uh, All-Star game. And, you know, I saw a stat the other day of, I think it was like the top 13 or 14 leading scores in the league. It, it, you know, every single one of them are an all-star. And then Trey's like, I think 11 or 12. And then he was the only player in that list that wasn't an all-star. Um, so, you know, personally, I don't care for it. Uh, I think it's good for the team. And I think it's good for Trey. I think with that extra chip on his shoulder, um, it could propel this team for maybe a late, late season run to, to kind of avoid the play-in. So personally, I'm a fan. The year that we made Eastern Conference Finals in the year that Trey just went on an absolute tear was the same year that he he got snubbed from the All-Star game in year three as well. So um, I'm all for it. But I think a lot of Hawks fans would would want to see Trey. I mean, it's good for the city. It's good for the team, the organization. So I, I personally still would like for him to make it, but I'm not making a big deal out of it. I mean, whatever helps uh, propel this team, because the chip right now on Trey Young's shoulder is big enough to end world hunger right now, Andrew. <laughs> as <laughs> I for then for your sake then I hope Trey doesn't make it because I actually would like I haven't seen a lot of Knicks All Stars yeah. in my life so I'd, I'd be actually fine if the chip went away from Jalen Brunson's shoulder and he were to make it this week. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You've got New Year's goals, and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. Looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year? Cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how easy, fun, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your own kitchen. With fast and fresh recipes, HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions are ready in less than 50 minutes. Enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like falafel power bowls, seared steak and potatoes with béarnaise sauce, or southwest pork and bean burritos. If you know anything about me, you know that I'm not the greatest when it comes to cooking. Thankfully, I found a life partner that loves her time in the kitchen and loves putting together these elaborate meals. Unfortunately, with her schedule working at a school all day and my schedule covering sports all night, we rarely have time to go to the grocery store together. Well, HelloFresh has made it possible for us to do all the grocery shopping for the week right from the comfort of our living room. In fact, just last night when I was editing the latest KFS pod, she was putting together two plates of Presto Pesto Panko Chicken with roasted potatoes and green beans. We were able to do dinner and a movie without even leaving the comfort of our own home. And this is just one of several delicious HelloFresh meal options with cook and prep time taking less than an hour. When you've got busy, conflicting schedules like ours, you don't have to go out for dinner and a movie. Instead, it comes right to you. Don't hesitate. Head to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool65 and use code FilmSchool65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool65 and code FilmSchool65 for 65% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Do you get annoyed with how Trey is talked about? Nationally, it seems like a lot of people focus on some of the foul baiting that he can do. Um, I know on the more popular NBA podcast, he's talked about a certain way. Uh, how is that for for you in particular? And I guess as Hawk fans in general, you're asking me about the, the narrative and the perception that the media paints his trade. Yes, uh, you know, at, at the first couple of years, I thought it was kind of annoying um, because. It just was a way like it was a simple narrative. He doesn't play defense and he just foul baits. Right. But ever since the rule change where they were a little bit more strict on the the officiating and the foul calls, Trey's still been putting up numbers. And and last I checked, I don't think Trey's even in like top five or top 10 even for, for free throw attempts per game. So uh, and he's still averaging 20, 28 and, you know, 10. So um, at first I was kind of annoyed by it. But at this point, I just. You know, I don't really care too much about the outside narratives, outside media. The start he got off to this year, he was he's putting up numbers, but the efficiency wasn't there. Was there a like what was what was going on in the beginning of this season? I don't know. Like historically, Trey has been 
shoot doesn't play that well in the first half of the season, right? Um, and, and usually, from if you look at the trajectory of his career, usually the second half post All Star break is really when he kind of turns it up a notch. This year's a little bit different because the All Star game started so late into the season, and so. Um, yeah, I mean, his shooting numbers were, were horrendous, to put it lightly. It was it was even worse than his rookie year coming into the league. So that should tell you how bad it was. Um, and it was a bit of a shock because, you know, with the addition of DeJounte Murray and just another year under his belt, we all thought his efficiency would, coming off a career high and kind of that all-NBA season that he had last year, we thought he was just going to keep riding that momentum. But uh, in true Trey fashion, he he kind of got off to another slow start. And uh, his three-point percentage, his field goal percentage was just terrible. Uh, it's gotten better now due to the help of his last like 15, 20-ish games or so. But yeah, I mean, I can see why some people would use uh, his stats right now or his efficiency numbers as to why he shouldn't make the All-Star game. But I, I get it. Yeah, you mentioned RJ earlier. And I think the context that we were using to to talk about how Trey was doing this season was like his effective field goal percentage is lower than RJ Barrett's. Now impact is a completely different conversation. This is where Trey and the gravity he creates will always be better than RJ, but it was just to give an idea of the inefficient start he got off to. He has since risen above RJ. A lot of that has to do with RJ Barrett and the season he's having at the moment. But um, the only other question I have about Trey, and I've always wanted to ask a Hawks fan, about this because everything I've ever heard about the Luca trade draft has been from people that aren't attached to either team or either player. So with the benefit of hindsight of the last couple of years, seeing what Luca is, but what Trey has meant to the city, are you tired of the narrative that like the Hawks blew it on draft night? Is there any hint of what could have been if Luca had been an Atlanta Hawk instead? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've had to answer this question uh, numerous times. I figure, I figured, so apologies for asking, no, no, asking fine. again, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, the first, probably his rookie year and his second year was definitely, uh, it was tiring, right? Hearing the same questions, seeing Twitter trolls every single day say, oh, you, you know, Hawks lost the trade, this and that. Um, and, and granted, like, yeah, Luke, Luke is a phenomenal player. He He's probably going to go down as one of the all-time greats. And you can make a case that he's a, a top three, five player in the league right now. Um, but, um, you know, Trey also has quite the resume and he's made it just as far in the playoffs, actually further in the playoffs than Luca. Still has all NBA team, multiple all-stars. Uh, so I, I don't think like if Trey was just some scrub and, he, you know, he had you know no all-star appearances, no all-NBA teams, and he was just uh, just not that good of a player, then I could totally see why trolls would keep continuing this this narrative that the Hawks lost to trade. And, um, but Trey's also been a phenomenal player. You know, at his peak, he's a top 10 player in the league. So, you know, it's, it's not like we didn't lose that much. If, if some people want to say that we lost the trade, then sure, I'm not going to argue you. Right now, can you say Luka is better you know, present day. Yeah. I mean, you know, being objective, I think I would say Luke is better right now. It isn't to say that Trey can't get better and, you know, get right up there with him or even surpass him. So we'll see. Yeah. I was listening to, I'm, I'm sure you heard this, this episode when it came out, but when Quavo went on with, with Bill Simmons a couple of years ago, and obviously Simmons has been pounding the, the Luca narrative that the, the Hawks blew it. And Quavo said him straight, like, Trade needed to go to Atlanta. Like he's been embraced by that city. He's embraced them right back. And that's always like anytime I've tried to analyze the trade or talked about, you know, like some some of these other conversations that we have historically about like draft day trades, I've reminded myself like it may have worked out perfectly that both players went to the cities that they needed to go to to succeed in their careers. That trade though gave the gave the Hawks a second first round pick. And they drafted Cam Reddish, who then became a New York Knick. And he did. He did. So I, I'm opening a bottle. It feels like even bringing this up, but I feel like this is going to be the last time I have to talk about Cam Reddish because I'm talking to a Hawks fan. Um, how did you experience the Cam Reddish hive, the Cam Reddish time in Cam Atlanta? Fam. The Cam yeah. fam. Yes, yes. And then seeing what happened in New York, were you surprised? Did you think? He didn't get a fair shake. Um, how did you experience all this? Yeah, so coming into the league, you know, I was a big uh, Cam Reddish fan, right? I, I, you could even say that I was the the conductor of the Cam Fam train. Ah. So 
Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I was a fan of him. I loved every time he got on the court, even though Nate, you know, barely played him. And um, you would see, and I'm sure Knicks fans know this by now because you, you've also experienced the Cam Reddish experience. But like, you know, some nights he looks like, uh, you know, Paul George. Uh, other nights he looks like um, just a complete scrub and you don't know what he's what, what he's doing out there. So I get it. And that's why it makes Cam Reddish so polarizing, Andrews, because um, he has the talent, all the talent in the world to be a really good wing player in this league. But I think it's what's in between the ears that's really going to hold him back. Um, and after the trade happened, I talked to some, I actually went to uh, the game like the day or two after the, the Cam Reddish trade happened. Um, and I spoke to one of the front office executives and he, I said, why, why did we trade Cam? Like, especially why did the Knicks like Cam Reddish could be a potential star in this league. And he said, look, from the, the time that we've known him and, what happens behind the scenes, he's not a winning player was quote unquote what they said. So um, take that for what you will. And he just, they said that he wasn't the right type of player to succeed, um, not only on this team, but I think in the league. But again, that's just one person's opinion. Right. So, you know, when he got traded to the Knicks, selfishly, I, I, I didn't want him to do well because I didn't want the Knicks to get the better version of Cam Reddish than the Hawks did. So I was preying on his downfall. Now that he's on Portland, like, yeah, sure. I, I hope he balls out and uh, he becomes an all-star. So I'm happy for him. He's in the West now. So uh, yeah, Cam Reddish, I, I hope him the best, but I, I genuinely believe, and I don't think it's a coincidence that it didn't work out in Atlanta nor, nor New York. I just don't think he's going to be um, really get that many minutes in this league for for the foreseeable future. We'll see though. It, yeah, I like you said. We we don't wish him unwell. I I have a ton of questions too, and I I wonder. I wonder if it's like you said, it's it's between years type of thing. And like we had one of our film guys do a thread of every offensive possession and some of his defensive possessions that he it's played, amazing. and. Like the offense, you see the gifts there every now and then. And then on defense, it's like, oh, that's a bad closeout. That's like literally a matador defense, letting your your opponent drive to the rim on and then he just has no interest in fighting for a rebound. And then, you know, you 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 wonder if these types of things get under the skin of coaches like McMillan and coaches like Tibbs who are trying to win now and don't have the patience for development, which is why like, I have no idea what's going on in Portland, whether they also sh don't have the patience for that, or if they're trying to rebuild. Um, I, I guess they're, they're on Dame's timeline, but then they probably should be a little better. I don't know. I, I wish Cam the best and I wish the hive and the fam that follows him the best as well. Um, before I let you go, this, uh, this game tomorrow night, we talked about, um, you know, your thoughts on how the Hawks should do in this game. But I like getting outsider opinions on what the Knicks are doing right now. They're 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 currently seventh in, in the East, only a half game behind Miami for sixth, two games behind Brooklyn for for fifth. Um Jalen Brunson, borderline all-star, Julius Randle, actual all-star, uh, and then the the other pieces on this team that exist. How do you view what the Knicks are doing and the direction that this franchise seems to be headed? Yeah, I mean, I'm. I gotta say, I, I'm somewhat surprised that the Knicks are 32 and 27 right now. Um, and is is Mitch is Mitch Robinson back or no? He's not, not yet. So okay. he's being he's not even cleared for contact yet. They announced uh, that he'd be um, reevaluated after the All Star break. What? Alan Hahn, the our t one of our TV guys, announced that uh, or I guess reported that he would be um, cleared for contact next week. So when they get back from the All-Star break is potentially when he'll start to ramp back up and come back. But he will not play in this game against the Atlanta Hawks. Okay, gotcha. And it's, yeah, I'm impressed. So I haven't caught a whole lot of Knicks games this season. I, I saw a few of, obviously, we saw saw the game that you guys came to Atlanta a couple of weeks back. And then I saw the Heat game that you won in and then uh, one of the Philly games. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm genuinely impressed how you guys keep winning right now and, and it is a little frustrating because um i feel like it like on paper the hawks should in theory be better than the knicks right now but you know i think you you kind of hit the nail on the head andrew i think jalen brunson and julius randall are doing some pretty pretty big things for the squad and and it's kind of with with them overplaying and playing a lot better than i think a lot of people had expected 
it's kind of making up for for RJ's. I guess I can you call it a regression? Is that fair to say? It's very fair to call it a regression. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So I, they're making up for a lot of RJ's regression, and um, yeah, I mean Jalen Brunson's doing his thing. Uh, every time I feel like every other night I'm seeing a, a score update on Twitter saying that you know Brunson went you know scored 35 points or 40 points like he did last night. So uh, and Julius Randle's playing like uh, an All NBA type of player like he did a couple years back. So you couple that uh, got a nice one of the league's best power forwards and I you know, as crazy as this for me to say, but I guess mm-hmm. one of the league's best point guards right now, the way he's playing, I mean, it's going to uh, equate to a lot of wins and that's what you guys are doing. So I'm impressed. And Tibbs obviously can't be that bad. The fact that he is winning these games, uh, I don't think it's all on the players. So uh, I think, um, yeah, I think Tibbs is obviously doing something and saying something in those locker rooms uh, before every game for you guys to keep pulling this out. So yeah, I'm shocked. I, I mean, Good for you guys. Uh, I'm disappointed that the Hawks aren't doing better, and I wish this game was. Uh, I was. We weren't 500 going into this game. We should be on a three-game win streak, but we lost to the Hornets. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm hoping for a good game tomorrow night, um, and hopefully we win. Yeah, yeah. I the Knicks have actually played the Hawks. Now that I'm thinking about it, at a couple of different inflection points this year, they played in the eighth game of the season. Um, or, or seventh game of the season when the Knicks were still playing Evan Fournier in the starting lineup. Derek Rose was still the backup point guard. Um, got off, I mean, you remember this game, got off to that 20-point lead and then blew it in the second half and DeJounte went off. And there was a lot of chatter around the team that like a coaching change could happen within the next 48 hours. Evan Fournier leaves the starting lineup. Cam goes in. Um, and the Knicks are off to a different version of the team. The next time they played each other was right after they made the next rotation change when they took Cam out, took Fournier out, took Rose out, and it was Quentin Grimes and Deuce McBride. Obviously, that's the the game DeJounte got hurt, and the Knicks won by a bunch. And the most recent game that they played each other was right after Mitchell Robinson got hurt, and it was like, can the Knicks stay above water before the all-star break. And it's funny that this is going to be the final time they play each other right after the Josh Hart trade that has injected some life into this team that didn't previously exist. While like, like you said, the Knicks have played competitively and had some fun. The other they've looked there. There are moments where this is, Oh, this is not just like fun to watch, but this is that they're stretching leads out rather than just trying to hold on like a two or three point lead. So I'll be curious what this new look Knicks team does to a Hawks team that look me personally, I respect what the ceiling can be. And I've seen what that ceiling can look like against the Knicks. That's for sure. Um, and like, like you said, you hope you win. I don't wish you luck in that sense, but hey, that's fair. I, I, yeah. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. But I hope it, I hope it's a good game at least. Um, Alex, you've been great with your time. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I'm CP's my my boy, so I'm assuming that Hawks. What happened first, Hawks fan TV or Knicks fan TV? Yeah, Knicks fan TV definitely happened first. Um, okay. I think the the OG Godfather though is is Arsenal fan TV. Okay. Which kind of brought brought the fan TV. Um, I guess uh, style of videos and and uh, mm-hmm. covering the team uh, into the broad you know mainstream. But yeah, no Knicks fan TV did their thing and. Um, yeah, shout, shout out to CP. I, I saw some of the his videos a few years back, especially when we played you guys in the playoffs. And uh, given the the market that Atlanta is, I know you know the narrative that the national narrative is Atlanta isn't a whole big of a sports town. I guess minus the Braves, but you know there, there's a whole bunch of passionate Hawks fans uh, in that city. I, I unfortunately don't live there anymore. I live in Miami, but I'm back pretty frequently, and I wanted to bring a similar kind of voice and. Um, coverage to the team. Uh, and yeah, I think, um, and since then, since I've launched it a couple of years back, uh, gotten some really good feedback. So I'm excited to see where it goes these, these next couple of years. Um, I do have one question for you though, Andrew. Yeah, go ahead. And I asked this question almost to, to every single Knicks fan that I speak with, um, you know, Sean most notably. And then I don't know if you know, uh, if your friends with said and all those guys, but yeah, um, yeah. I know the majority of Knicks fans, I'd say like 90% of them are still like diehard RJ stands. They truly, genuinely believe he can be, you know, an all-star at worst and then like potentially all NBA type of player, you know, at its peak. Are you, are you in the camp that RJ still has at least all-star potential or is he kind of, is he is what he is at this point, which is just, you know, high usage, really inefficient score that can, have some good games, but 
he's probably going to be your third or fourth best player, probably your fourth best player on a championship winning team. You know how you said the last four years you've been, you've had to answer the question about Trey and Luca uh, mm-hmm. as so many times. Um, the amount of times I've had to answer, what is RJ Barrett? Uh, probably matches it. Although you have a year on me because Trey got drafted the year before RJ. Um, I don't think I'm not someone that believes RJ Barrett will ever make an all NBA team. I am someone that thinks he could make an all-star team or two. If given the right role, given the right team that actually creates some space and plays to his strengths, he's the third guy on this team. Um, I think if he were to like last year, right after the, the all-star or a little bit before the all-star break, they really committed to RJ Barrett and he averaged decent efficiency and close to 24 points a game over the final 35 games. And that was the moment I was like, all right, now if you improve on this, that's, that's something that's, that's maybe a point toward everybody else's, you know, um, theory about what he could be. And then they went out and got Jalen Brunson. And then they went and committed to this offense where he's the third guy. Now, he's not getting no usage. It's not like he's not getting the ball or opportunities anymore, mm-hmm. but he's clearly not the focal point of the offense as much as he used to be. So I honestly think he just goes through these stretches and we have to accept that. You know, I think his harshest critics have to know that his bad times are not really who he is and his um, most passionate defenders have to accept that these stretches are going to happen. He's, I, I don't think he's not going to go a full season without having these, these stretches where he looks like borderline incompetent. What I will say is last night, someone asked in the post game, whose highlight films would you show to RJ to like give him an idea of the player he should be? And my answer to that was like December RJ Barrett when he was tremendous and was like a 50, 40, 80 guy. And like averaging like 22 a game and hitting his threes and was, wasn't uh, hesitant and he was confident with his drives. And like, that's the guy I would show. And it's why I'm hoping this all-star break just does him, does him well. I do think he's destined to be the third guy on a team and like a really good third guy. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think, I don't think he's all NBA. I don't think, I do think he'll be in the NBA for a long time. Yeah, uh, which I guess is my my answer to that question. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, just just was curious, genuinely curious to hear what your thoughts were because there was like I and I always throw these trade scenarios out like privately, like with Sean and some other Knicks fans that I communicate with, and I purposely give them a lopsided trade in favor of the Knicks. I think the last one was like if you could trade um, Anthony Simmons. For RJ Barrett, obviously, even though he might not be the best fit for you guys, I think he's definitely the superior player. Um, and they said, absolutely not. And the same thing with the whole um, Donovan Mitchell thing. They were There are some Knicks fans that are still willing to die on that hill that they wouldn't have traded RJ Barrett. That was the deal breaker for a Donovan Mitchell trade. And I just feel like whatever the player is, I mean, you guys could be getting a prime Luka Doncic back, and I think some Knicks fans wouldn't trade RJ Barrett for that guy. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yes, that is very fair. <laughs> every fan base does have that one guy. And while I, I do still come down on the side that like, I don't know how much the all-in for Donovan Mitchell trade should have been done this summer um, or this last summer. It's way more of like, like Julius Randle was a distressed asset at the time. I had no idea what everything else would be. So in the moment, it was fair to say like, this isn't the time to do it. The RJ inclusion didn't bother me. I thought that would bring the price down, which is why the Knicks did it. You know, it was way more of like, like you're going to go RJ plus a Grimes plus a, or a quickly or a top in plus all these picks that are going to go in. And I have no idea if like, so the team is Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell. I have no idea what that is, especially when you have this Julius Randle piece that I don't know where it fits. If it was cut this upcoming off season, which I, I think Knicks fans are coming to grips with the fact that RJ Barrett will not be here after this off season. Um, really? I think I did not know that. Uh, our audience has started to turn a little bit on RJ Barrett. Now I, this is where we've now become the the pushback. Like he is 22 years old. Like I didn't peak at 22. Let's say he doesn't peak at 22. Let's hope that's the, the case. Um, but 
I I would be shocked if an Ananobi or a Zach Levine or some type of trade isn't made. Whether it's the right move or not is a completely different story, and it's up to people's opinions to decide what that is. But I would I'd be shocked if he wasn't moved in some type of some type of deal for the, another guy to add to this Jalen Brunson Julius Randall core going forward. You know. Yeah. I get it. It's it's it sucks seeing uh you know your third overall pick not pan out the way you want. And, and we're we're in similar shoes, Andrew. I mean, DeAndre Hunter was the fourth overall pick that same year, and um and he's he's had a really good season this year. But you know, being a fourth overall pick, you you expect a little bit more. So I get it. I get it. Um, and so, there are still some Hawks fans that would not trade DeAndre Hunter for for anything. Uh, really, there, there was fans saying that. They wouldn't give him up for KD in the event that we could have gotten KD before he went to the the Suns. So, yeah, I think every fan base has it. Um, I think the RJ stands are a little bit more excessive, though. Oh yes, than, yeah. than, than some other players. But yeah, Although, I, mean, I don't know a Knicks fan that wouldn't trade RJ for KD though. Maybe maybe, maybe ask Sean. Ask Sean. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Sean. Like I don't Sean know. Still Sean still would not. He would twist it into some like okay. well, aging. He has an injury history, so I might as well keep the twenty-two-year-old. So that's how Sean would uh, probably interpret that. So all right, Sean, we need to talk. Uh, but Alex, awesome. thank you for being the one to talk to me throughout this, uh, this conversation. Um, plug where where people can find Knicks fan. Uh, excuse me, Hawks fan TV. Yeah, Hawks Fan TV. You guys can follow us on Twitter, Instagram at Hawks Fan TV. Best way to catch us. Um, also, check out our website for daily trades and rumors and uh, up to date news around the team at HawksFanTV.com. And your your shows are all on Twitter Spaces, right? So yes. live either pre and post. Yeah, we do pretty much. We stick to post games now on Twitter Spaces pretty much after every game. And we also have a weekly podcast available on iTunes, Spotify, Samsung, anywhere you get your podcast at Hawks Fan TV too. So same name on all platforms. Awesome. Alex, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Big thank you to Alex for coming on today's pod. I hope you enjoyed it. I know that I did. Need you to do two things for me. First of all, as he just mentioned, go on over to Twitter. Give Hawks Fan TV a follow. You can mute it if you'd like to, but let's get all of his followers up because you get the Knicks Film School bump. Speaking of... I went over to the Hawks Fan TV podcast feed and it's got seven reviews on iTunes. Let's head over there, give them a bunch of five star ratings. You could say Nick's rule, Hawks drool, whatever you want to say in the thing. Say that Nick's film school sent you, loves your appearance, hope the Hawks lose every game going forward. But let's make that a staple of the Nick's film school guest appearance experience is that when you come on the show, their audience goes and boosts your numbers. So I put the link in the description of this episode. You can give them a five-star rating and a review again in the comments, talk shit about the Hawks. If you'd like to say like, Oh, this, the, the Hawks stink, but I like this podcast and Alex was really great at Nick's film school. That can be the entire review. So once again, head on over to Hawks fan TV, give them a follow. And then the link to review their show on iTunes is in the description. Once again, thank you, Alex, for coming on today's show. And that'll do it for me. If you dig the show, head over to iTunes, drop a five-star rating for us and a review. John will be on the post game as always, as we wrap up the pre all-star break schedule. Hopefully, it's a W. Either way, we'll be there live to give you all recap and reactions. Um, we'll also be on playback tonight. The OG crew, Jeremy, uh, John, Benji, myself, will be reacting to this game live. And until next time, which will be after the All-Star break, about a week and a half from now, thank you for listening. Enjoy the game tonight, and I'll speak with you soon. Peace. Peace.